All the time. God is good. Thank you for coming out. Uh, we're encouraged through this sermon series just about the cross, communion, and community. Uh, the cross is where we nail our sins to. In fact, we don't. Jesus already did. But we take our sins to the cross when we receive Christ. Communion is about each other. It's about reflecting and remembering what Jesus did for us. And then we live that on a daily basis. We don't re-crucify him. We thank him for that. And then we take it together. There's something about family. There's something about uh, sitting at the table. You know, we have dinner uh, every week with the kids that live here in town, those that can make it. Most of them can make it uh, more times than not. And we break bread together. We eat and we pray. We have different ones that'll pray. We ask, we ask the little ones and sometimes they'll say no. Did you pray for us? No. Okay, and so then we go up the scale or we'll have one of the kids or Janie or myself will pray and then we break bread together. We talk about the service or about the week or about the day or what's, what's coming up. There's something about gathering around the table and that's kind of the communion uh, element is we gather around the table with the Lord. He's made a place for us. And although maybe we couldn't eat or dine at certain restaurants where we don't have a reservation or with certain political dignitaries that we don't have uh, a, you know an invitation, you're invited to the king's table today. In fact, you're invited every day. And so what happens then once we're invited to the table is the Lord wants us then to take it out to the community. Uh, Psalms 119 kind of says this, break open your word, this is the scriptures, within me until revelation light shines out. He's saying this uh, with an exclamation, David is in Psalms 119. Break open your word within me until revelation light shines. In other words, let this word come into me and let it burst out of me. Those with open hearts are given insight into your plans. How many wants insight into God's plans? I mean, I, I kind of like to know, you know, what a political party uh, thinks or what their plans are, even though it seems like sometimes they don't always you know, come to fruition or maybe a boss or employee or maybe a, a new company, maybe you want to invest in a company and all right, what's your plans, what's your DNA, what's your insight, what's your vision or your mission statement or maybe a church, maybe you're looking for a church today. Hey, pastor, what's your, what's your vision? Well, we're for all people. And we just, we want to give glory to God and bring people into relationship with Jesus Christ. That's it. Had someone tell me something. That's not very deep. It's not deep. It doesn't have to be deep. Jesus isn't deep because he knows we're sheep. He wants us just to love him and then tell others about him. That's it. And so that's the, that's the crux of today's message is we really need to be about shining our light to the king. And if we can shine our light to the king, then we have this understanding then that God is going to help us reach community. So church becomes community. We become community together, and then we speak community. We talk about community as well. I lost these screens. I don't know if you guys can get them back there or not, but these screens are all out. So um, if you can get them back working for me, that would be great. Um, so we're, we look at community and we look at the idea of what, what, what is it? Community is us sharing the good news with each other, with, with other people, okay? In that, we look at people, and I, I look at people like Janie and I, uh, since we moved down here years ago, we were members of uh, Planet Fitness. You all know the $10 a month workout place and not promoting it, uh, but it was a good workout place for us. And, and after we went to Planet Fitness, we would go to McDonald's right across the street. 
And I got to be real honest with you, sometimes we would just drive through the parking lot to say we went to Planet Fitness, and then we'd go to McDonald's across the street. We never drove through McDonald's parking lot and then went to Planet Fitness, but we would go drive through, oh, do you really feel like working out today? Not really, but we can say we went to the gym. And then we went over to McDonald's and we would eat. Well, we'd go to McDonald's and eat. We, we, we met the, the manager there and he came to our church for a little while. Some of his kids still come to our church. And then we met different employees at the, at the place and they were all nice. And one gentleman by the name of Christopher, he was uh, in and out of some trouble, in and out of some situations that uh, by his own admission, he put himself in and, and he would always ask us questions. And he never knew I was a pastor, but I think other did and that Janie and I pastored a church here in town and and so he he'd come over he said hey could I ask you a question yeah we would talk back and forth and we shared with him some different things and then one day on a Easter Sunday he he showed up at church buried right about where you're sitting and uh, gave his heart to the Lord I mean, just full-on transformation, salvation. They started coming back, and then he ended up moving to Asheville. We hope he's still serving the Lord. But how beautiful it is when you invite someone to church and they come, right? Or you have coffee with someone and you're able to just to give your testimony or share the good news. These are things that we, we would do, uh, Janie and I, as we would go um, out to eat or we would share. There was a waitress named Sandy that worked at Hickory Tavern. Now, Hickory Tavern's not necessarily a tavern. Some of you are saying, yeah, pastor goes to the bar and shares the good news. It's a restaurant that sells salads. Months, other things. And Sandy was our waitress there, and she, uh, she had shared some things with Janie, and Janie said, hey, why don't you come to church? We'll pray for you. And she came to church, and same thing. She gave her heart to the Lord. I mean, it's not hard to share the love of Jesus Christ. It's hard to change people. But see, that's not our job, is it? Our job is not to change people. Our job is just to share Jesus. And if we share Jesus in the right way with the right attitude, um, it's amazing what God will do. And as we enter, believe it or not, already the Easter season, we just came out of Christmas, but we're two months to Easter. If we, as we enter the Easter season, it would be a great time just to say, hey, I'm going to share the good news with somebody. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, so this is what we're doing today. We're going to let our light shine. We're going to have almost like a Christmas Eve service at the end. We're going to light our candles and we're going to hand them out. And I want you to, to grab the candle in just a few moments and really understand what, what it means. So this is what we'll talk about today. We're going to come out of Ephesians and I'm reading out of the passage translation. This is one of my wife's favorite chapters in the whole Bible, right? I think 1,338 uh, chapters or so in the scriptures. This is one of her favorites, Ephesians 4. We're going to read 1 through 4. We're going to read it not out of the New American Standard Bible, which is her preference, or English Standard Version, which is what I normally read out of, but it's out of the Passion Translation. I like some of the wording as a prisoner of the Lord. And Paul refers to a prisoner being a slave or a bondservant, uh, which is a love slave, someone who chooses that, although he is a prisoner in Rome at this time. He's 
in a cell that's probably about four foot tall and four foot deep. And he's sitting there shackled his wrists to his ankles, all right? Uh, No public restroom, no toilet, nothing of that nature, Uh, rats crawling around. It's as worse as you could think it to be, and then some. And he's writing uh, when he has some free time about being a prisoner of the Lord. He's not comparing, oh, I'm a prisoner. He's saying, man, I'm a prisoner. I'm a bondservant of the Lord. I'm, I'm a, a person who by choice am willing to serve God. I plead with you, he's talking to the church of Ephesus, the Ephesians. I plead with you to walk holy in a way that is suitable to your high rank, giving to you in your divine calling. Let's stop there for a second because I think we understand or don't understand always that when we're serving Jesus, we're not less than, we're more than, but not in a haughty way. We're in a way that you are high ranked. In other words, maybe you're nobody amongst your family members or friends or coworkers or in the community, you're a nobody, but in God's eyes, you're a somebody. That means everybody here is somebody. God loves you. He sends his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. You mean something to him. You are a somebody. Turn to somebody and say, I'm somebody. I mean, yep, I'm somebody. I didn't, I'm, I'm somebody. Praise God. You're a somebody. Given in your divine calling, we think this sometimes, well, that's just, you know, a pastor or worship leader or somebody, evangelist and missionary. They got a high calling. No, uh, we honor those people. We honor those people who have served their lives. We honor those people who go to the mission field. Africa or, or somewhere else. We honor those. And trust me, uh, Jane and I have always honored missionaries, evangelists, pastors, preachers, teachers. But Paul's not talking about that group this particular time. He's talking about you and me. He's talking about us. You have a divine calling on your life just to be a friend with somebody. I have a couple of friends that I worked with years ago. Janie was pregnant with our second daughter, Jessica worked at a tire warehouse and two friends named Gary and Mike. And Gary actually still watches on, on the, online sometimes. So, hey, Gary, hope you're watching. Hope everything's good with you and Connie. Uh, Gary and Mike were normal guys, but non-believers, didn't really understand the scriptures, didn't understand it. And I was uh, new to... Uh, Christianity in a relational way. And so uh, I would invite Gary and Mike over to the house at lunchtime. Janie would, would cook dinner for us. She'd make hamburgers or whatever. And we weren't making a lot of money at the time, but they'd come over and eat. And other ones, Jeff and Terry and some different ones would come over and, and we'd eat dinner or have lunch. And then we'd go back to work. And it was a long job, a 12-hour day. And, and uh, Gary had made some decisions in his life that probably weren't the best choices and ended up being in, in jail for, uh, I think, two or three years and he got out and then he started a, a small business with the backing of some friends and he'd work on he'd work on our cars and it was just just a good friend just a, a really good guy and, and uh, when we went into full-time ministry uh, we had talked periodically and I'd still see him and hang out and he said um, 
couple different times he would say, hey, Mark, you're my pastor. And this was before we went into full-time ministry. I said, Gary, I'm not a pastor. He said, hey, you're the only Jesus I've ever known. You're the only Jesus i ever met. You're the only Jesus I ever saw between you and, and the Annette, which is what we call Janie when she's uh, back in Omaha. And uh, it hit me that we have a, a divine calling. There's a calling on our lives to be friends with people who maybe have made wrong choices like the rest of us, to be friends and to love people who maybe don't know who Jesus is just yet. And that's what I did with Gary and with Mike. Good guys. And Mike was kind of a philosophical guy, a big beard and long hair and just kind of cool in a really cool 70s way. And it was in the 80s and he would ask deep theological questions that, frankly, I didn't know the answers to. I had to ask the Holy Spirit to, to help me. I'd, I would talk to my pastor and say, hey, what, what about this? And he would say, well, you know, tell him this. And I was kind of a go-between and still learning the scripture myself. Then we went into full-time ministry. We pastored in Iowa for seven years. And it was our last month in Iowa. We knew that we were resigning the church and we were getting ready to come down here to North Carolina where we've been for the last 15 years. And, and Gary and Mike uh, rode their Harleys down for one of our services and caught us by surprise frankly we didn't didn't know they were going to didn't know they were coming to church gary had been listening online and uh, listening to podcasts or watching the services and you know, listening to the services and they were sitting right here in the front row two guys that probably had never been in church before other than their wedding days and they were sitting forward like they were gleaning, Jonathan, everything they could from the, from the message. And, and I don't even remember what I preached that day, but I gave a, a call to salvation. They were the first two to get up and go to the altar and receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. 27 years after I met them, did they receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. Divine calling. It wasn't because I was a pastor. It was because I was a friend. It was because my wife would make a hamburger every now and then for him. It was because that we didn't judge them, but we loved them. Can you give the Lord just a shout of praise for a moment? That's an amazing thing. And the thing that makes me realize this is that it's not because I'm a pastor or a preacher. It's because I was a friend. I still talk to Gary every now and then. It was about, oh, now, I guess it was about 10 or 11 years ago. We'd been down here about four years. And Mike, my understanding, had never stepped a foot in church before that day. We'd been down here four years, and I was sitting in my office. I got a call from Gary. Mike had passed away. And could I do a video feed for his funeral? I said, you bet, man, what happened? Well, I guess he had cancer and didn't tell anybody and got was sick, but kind of kept it a secret and he passed away and, you know, he's got a couple daughters and they, they don't really have a pastor and they would like to know if you would, you bet. So we filmed it in my office just off a, an iPhone and sent it up to him and said, bro, this is the best I can do. I'm sorry. And he said, no, this is good. I got some, uh, two cards after the fact from each of his daughters saying, hey, if, if, if my dad can, we can too. We not only thank you for the funeral, but we thank you for the life that he lived in Jesus. We plan to live that life as well. 
Isn't that amazing? Think about that. What? It was off an iPhone. It was just a, a simple, here's what Mike was. Mike did it his way. But then when Mike did it Jesus' way, he got saved. There's not a shadow of doubt in my mind today that Mike's walking on streets of gold on the other side. 27 years, it may take you a while. The person you witness to, the person you let your light shine may or may not come to know Jesus right away, but they may contemplate and understand and think. You may have a boss, you may have a neighbor, you may have a friend, you may have a coworker, you may have a family member that doesn't know Jesus just yet. But that doesn't mean they won't. I would say hang in there and continue to know that you too have a divine calling. Verse number two says this, with tender humility and quiet patience, man, that's tough, ain't it? Am I the only one that has a hard time with quiet patience? One hand went up, God bless you. The rest of you are just not there yet. You're getting there. <laughs> always, everybody say always. Always, say it one more time with conviction, always. Like we need a shirt that says always, don't we? Say it one more time, always. With tender humility and quiet patience, always demonstrate gentleness and generous love towards one another. Man, that's hard to do, isn't it? Is that hard for you? It's hard for me. I would be transparent. When that person cuts me off in traffic, when grandma drives 20 and a 45 and I need to get somewhere, Two years ago, I promised not honking, but I gave that up after the first year. I was like, Janie said, what about the no honk rule? I said, that was just one year. I can now honk, and I'm not afraid to use it, but I am ashamed sometimes when I do. I didn't know they went to Grace Church. <laughs> when we go from the first campus to the second campus, Janie says, you got to be careful. Those people might be going, it's your church. <laughs> Now, my church is Jesus, just a steward. It's hard to love one another sometimes. And I don't think Paul's really talking about like your family members, even though that might be hard for some of us. He's not talking about friends, and that could be difficult. He's not even talking about workmen. He's talking about everybody. He's talking about the people that sometimes agitate us, that come in our pathway that we think the enemy put there. It's actually God's put them there so that they can really see the light of Jesus. And when we don't reflect the light of Jesus, we become a poor witness and a testimony. And I'm preaching to myself. I'm not preaching to anybody else in this place because you're all so good Christians. You all love God so much. And so it's just, just me for a second, Jamie. It's just me. I have to love people with gentleness and generous love towards one another. But then he says this, Paul especially towards those who may try your patience. Has anybody ever tried your patience? I mean, come on. You know, you're sitting next to somebody in church. It's like, dear, I'm never going to sit here again. You're driving down the road. And you know that car. You know that truck. He didn't need to pull out in front of you. You saw, I say this all the time, you saw me coming. You saw me coming. And yet you pulled out in front of me anyways. Maybe Jesus wants me to pray for that guy. Maybe. Maybe grandma can't go more than 20. Just maybe, Lord, maybe, maybe the Lord's keeping me from an accident. 
Maybe. <sighs> Who may try your patience? Remember this scripture tomorrow on your way to work or in the office. Jenny says, you need to remember on the way home <laughs> from church today when you leave the parking lot. And I, I will, I'll have to. Especially those who may try your patience. Verse number three says, be faithful. And this is why. Be faithful to guard the sweet harmony of the Holy Spirit among you in the bonds of peace. See, people say, hey, you grieve the Spirit. You're not letting the Spirit flow. You're not doing this. And that's not, that's taken out of context. Grieving the Spirit is simply this. It's when you start to judge people when you don't know their backstory. You don't know what they're coming out of. You don't know that it took everything in their, in their power just to get up this morning, just to come to church or go to work. You don't know the history behind them, that they're hard doing everything they can just to put a smile on their face. That's grieving the spirit because that's God's creation. This is the created being that God put on this earth and they put him in your path. He put him in your path just so you could smile to them, just so you could love on them, just so you could keep the sweet, Spirit of harmony with the Holy Spirit and the bond of peace. That's grieving the Spirit. I'm going to be honest with you, I've grieved the Spirit a lot in my life. I've judged people. I've gotten mad at people. I used to, when I, back in the day when I would, would work out real heavy, when I looked like some of these guys around here, I would take some creatine. And Janie would say, man, that creatine is making you agitated. You're just downright mean, but it was helping my bench press, so I kept taking it, brother. And uh, she said, you got to lay off that stuff. So then I laid off of it. I realized it wasn't the creatine. <laughs> I was still agitated. <laughs> I, I, was, I was still mean. It was just people. <laughs> You're a pastor. I'm sorry. I'm being transparent for a second. It, Dr. Cho used to say, Dr. Cho pastored the largest church in the world, 750,000 people. They asked Dr. Cho, how come you pray four hours a day? How can you do that? He said, I have to. I have the world's largest church. I pastor 750,000 people. People will get on your nerves sometimes. It doesn't matter if you work in a hospital. Or it doesn't matter if you push dirt for a living. It doesn't matter if you mow grass or if you, if you sell groceries. It doesn't matter if you're pastoring or working. It does. People sometimes, the very people that God wants you to minister to are the same very people the enemy wants to agitate you with. But the more you know that, the better off you're going to be. And so I told Janie, maybe I'll hump, hop, get back on the creatine because then when I'm agitated, at least I have an excuse. But the fact of the matter is, Am I, are we, grieving the Holy Spirit when we allow the people who that we're supposed to be ministering to, to agitate us? Just a food for thought. I'd say, just use wisdom. Ask the Lord. Verse number four. Being one body, one spirit, as you're all called, as you were all called, as you were all called, into the same glorious hope of divine destiny. Our divine destiny is usually built on other people's shoulders. You're called. You are saved to be called. 
And even though it may not be a preaching ministry or even a spirit of evangelism or it may not be a missions work, although all are honorable, it may just be you're a missionary in your neighborhood. You might be a, a, an evangelist to your workplace. Gary and Mike, is 27 years after I met them, surrendered their heart to the Lord. Four years after that, Mike went home to be with Jesus. I'm so glad that they were able to come to church and they came by surprise. It didn't come because I called and invited them. They called because they saw the witness of Jesus Christ in us that we accepted them just the way they were, even though they were to jail. They were, uh, they were according to the world, they were, they were uh, ungodly men. They came and found God. They came and surrendered their heart to the Lord. Why is that? It wasn't because of my power of persuasion. It's because I love them and Jenny loved them right where they were at. And Grace Church, that's what we need to be for all people is to be able to love people right where they're at. Just love them. And so when we look at the way people are, we see that we, we see Adam and he has given us life, talking about building on the, uh, the hope of tomorrow. Adam gave us life. Abraham gave us a future. Moses gave us deliverance. David gave us lineage. But Jesus gave us salvation. But in salvation, then we can give people life and a future deliverance and a lineage. What we see from behind us also works in front of us. I love, uh, <laughs> I love, I love Saturdays for a multitude of reasons. But one is uh, our uh, oldest daughter will send video of Cam, the basketball player and the football player, and we'll watch video. And like yesterday, uh, and they start early in, in Omaha where, where they live, and they start early, and it was maybe 9.30, and Janie said, I wonder if Cam's not playing today because usually we have two or three videos by now, right? And then later in the day, I get to work out with our oldest two grandsons, Brady and, and Jonah, and they're, they're getting to where the workouts are becoming more uh, competitive, so I might need to get back on the creatine. So I get a little angry every now and then, just say, oh, pastor's on, pastor's on creatine. <laughs> and so we work out, and I'm thinking, maybe I don't bring anything to the table, but if I can just support them or support Cam or little Selah and Judah, if I could just look at them and say, whatever, whatever I can bring to the table to help their future, I need to be there. But not only with them, I need to be the future of someone who doesn't know Jesus because we have to be the light that shines in the world. Because your life, your future, your deliverance, your lineage... Legal equals the salvation, but it also comes out of that. My salvation might be life and future to somebody else. It might mean deliverance to somebody or a lineage. When I gave my heart to the Lord in a relational way, it was new to me. My, my religious affiliation, although not bad, was more orthodox, more mainstream. And when I gave my heart to the Lord, it became more, for me, more authentic. It, it, for me, it became more real. I, I'm talking to God now. I don't have to talk through somebody else, a, a priest or a saint or, or somebody. I can talk to God through Jesus. And this became, this was mind-blowing. And I realized the responsibility that came with that means that I have to now, I have to 
maybe go out of my way to share the good news. I'm going to invite Marcus up here. Uh, Jesus went out of his way many times, but one time in particular in John, the fourth chapter, he went out of his way to talk to a woman. And I want, I want him to give you the nuts and bolts of it because it's a, it's a beautiful story that he tells really well. Thank you. Yeah, so we're talking about sharing the light of Jesus, and a lot of people have barriers preventing them from talking to others about Jesus and sharing the good news. In fact, 85% of us in this room probably have barriers that would say, you know what, I think I should talk to somebody about him, but I don't really know how. You know, one of the biggest barriers that we have is shame. People say, Pastor, if you knew what I've done before I got saved, you wouldn't want me to be the spokesperson for Christianity. (laughs) You know what I mean? Or just saying, or even after I got saved. I, I, it's not that I'm ashamed of the gospel, but I'm ashamed of my representation of the gospel. And so that stops us. When Jesus said that he had to go through, to, uh, through Samaria to get to where he was going, that didn't mean that was the only way to get where he was going in Judea. There was actually a more popular route. He could have crossed a river, gone around the neighborhood that he didn't want to be in, uh, like the, what, what most Jewish people would have done. But he had an appointment with a woman at the well. He said, I have to go through there because he knew that there was an appointment, uh, something that he was supposed to do. Now, this woman at this well would have been looked down upon by society. For instance, most Jewish people uh, would have looked down upon most Samaritan people. They were considered a lower class. Now, not Jesus, but just in general, that's how these people were viewed. Jesus didn't see it that way, though. And now, when it comes to the Samaritan people, most of the Samaritan people, and others in society as well, would have looked down upon women at the time. That's just how, how, how it was viewed. And then when you looked at, at the time and the place 2,000 years ago, even the Samaritan women would have looked down upon divorced Samaritan women. And then when you take it one step further, even divorced Samaritan women would have probably looked down upon this particular divorced Samaritan woman because she was divorced, as Jesus uh, found out through the word of the Holy Spirit, five times. He prophesied to her and he says, you know what, Um, you've been divorced five times and the one you're with now is, is not your husband. So he goes and he has this conversation with this woman. This woman was probably the least likely person if you or I were to just choose a spokesperson for Christianity, uh, to say, yeah, this is the one. But that is exactly the person that Jesus chooses. I think it's two reasons. Number one, I think he actually cared about this woman as an individual, and he wanted her to experience life in Christ. But I also think that he might have been making a point to say, if I can use this person, then I can use anyone. So this woman went to the well in the middle of the day, when it was hot, when she would have sweat, and when she would have probably been alone. Most of the other people probably went to the well earlier in the morning when it was cool and it would have been more comfortable and it would have been more social. But I think that it was the social dynamic that prevented her from going to the well earlier that day. I think that if she would have gone at 8 in the morning when she could have gotten the whole water thing out of the way and gone about her day, there would probably have been other people there. And my guess is that she didn't want to encounter those people. Maybe there was one of her ex-husbands there. Maybe there was a woman there that is currently married to somebody that she used to be married to. I don't know the situation. Uh, The Bible doesn't give us all of those details. But I can assume that she went in the heat of the day because she said, I would rather sweat and not get as much done during the day and wait 
to go back to my uh, home with the water later because I would not like to be around those people. Let me put it like this. If um, I'm the kind of guy that likes to go to Starbucks, I like to park the car, I like to get out of the car and go into, if this morning on my way to church, I would have gone to Starbucks and I opened the door and I walked in, if I would have seen five of my ex-girlfriends talking to each other, I would have taken the drive-thru, okay? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just not going to go in there. Now, I don't mean to say that I've, I'm not that popular. Like, I've, this is hypothetically... If I had five eggs, moving on. That's what, the, that's what was happening, though, in this situation, but in a more serious, and in, this is a true story. This is not like a parable that Jesus made up. This actually happened. Okay, this woman said, I, don't, I would rather sweat and I would rather be alone than deal with that. And I think that it had probably something to do with shame. Now, either shame because of something that she had done. I suppose there's a small chance that she left all five of these men because uh, she just was unhappy and she just wasn't satisfied by them. She had to be searching endlessly, searching for uh, true love and she can't find it. But based on the context, the truth is probably that women didn't have the kind of rights that women have today. And it's more likely that the, the five men that she was married to all left her. Maybe there was something that they all viewed as wrong with her. Maybe she was hard to live with. Maybe uh, she couldn't have children and, and the, each man was just like, nope, I'm moving on. So yeah, she could have had shame based off of what she did, but she, there could have been shame based off of what was done to her. And so now she has this shame and she doesn't really like what happened in her past. And she said, I would just rather not talk about that. So talk about shame in sharing the gospel. Listen to what happens. I think it's verse 35 or 36. The woman leaves this encounter with Jesus, right? She goes into the town and she says, come see a man who, who what? Can do miracles? That is true. Jesus does miracles and she could have led with that, right? She could have said, come, he does miracles. That was a well-known fact, right? But that's not what she said. Did she say, come see a man who can give you a word of knowledge? That's what happened. Jesus never met this woman. The Holy Spirit gives her, gives Jesus a word of knowledge for her. And he, she could have been like, yeah, he's going to tell you stuff that he couldn't have known otherwise. That's not what she said. She said, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. What did she do? She did stuff that she was ashamed of. But now she is broadcasting the very same thing she used to hide. And the only way that happens is when Jesus removes her shame. And if he can remove her shame, he can remove your shame. And shame no longer has to stop you from sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with anyone anymore. Between the well and the town, this woman didn't go to Bible college. She didn't go to seminary. She didn't go to Sunday school class. She didn't attend one of my evangelism training classes that I host occasionally. All right, that, and they're good. All that stuff's good, especially in my class. Sign up. Those things are all wonderful. She didn't get baptized. She didn't memorize any scriptures. All of those things are good. You should do all those things. But those things are not prerequisites before you can tell somebody about Jesus Christ. If you've had one experience with Jesus, you are qualified to share about the truth and love of Jesus Christ. Amen? She was able to shine the light of Jesus. Jesus removed her shame. Shame doesn't have to stop you anymore. 
She just shared her testimony, the obstacle that says, I don't know what to say or I'm not good at it. This woman wasn't necessarily good at it. She wasn't told what to say. She just shared her testimony. Now Jesus wants to be this seventh man in her life and actually satisfy her and say, you know what? There's something deeper happening spiritually. The whole town loved that. All right, the whole town came out and he spent days with them. He wasn't taking a shortcut to go through Samaria, even though it was probably faster. Everybody else went around. He said, I want to spend time with these people. And now the very last person that most of us would have chosen to be the spokesperson for Christianity is the very first person. She becomes the first and one of the greatest evangelists in the whole Bible. And she probably would have been last on our list. Now, think about your life and think, can I share the gospel? Most people say, you know what? I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I believe the Bible is true, but I'm ashamed of my representation. I'm challenging you today to not let that stop you and to say, you know what? That's under the blood of Jesus Christ. I am forgiven. That's a part of my past. I'm going to walk in a new life and I'm going to share my light with those around me, not letting those things stop me from sharing the gospel anymore. Amen? Come on, give it up for the Lord. Thank you, Marcus. Wow. So I have one question. We'll take a couple more points. Marcus and Mark are going to hand out some candles. As they go up and down the aisles, just grab a couple and pass them each way. Can you become a Christian without becoming a follower? Can you become a Christian without becoming a follower? And I, I would say I can see both sides. Uh, sometimes being a Christian is getting out of hell free card. So I'm going to check that box and say the prayer. Um, but Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow me. And so he, he kind of demands that. Uh, yet the thief on the cross didn't follow Jesus. He just accepted Jesus. Here's what Matthew Henry says. Disciples were followers, but not all. Uh, the, the, the disciples were followers. His disciples were followers, but not all followers become disciples. Now, I think one of the things that we have to understand as we proceed out of church today is that to be a follower of Jesus means I become a disciple. And as a disciple, I look at ways that I can share the good news. Here's four things really quickly that this, this lady did. She had an examination of her heart, right? So we need to examine our heart today. She, she, uh, she knew her failures, and like Margaret said eloquently, she probably was shameful of things that happened to her or maybe that she did, her part to play in those things. So this morning, examine our heart. Number two, be authentic. She's asking Jesus for this water. Jesus said, if you knew who I was, you'd, you'd, ask, for, you'd ask for this drink. And sir, you don't even have a bucket. I mean, how can I? You have to be authentic with people. We can't fake it. If you're having a bad day, uh, get the joy of the Lord, but share with people. Hey, I have bad days too. I get mad. I, I get, I honk the horn. Pastor even honks the horn. Pastor won't even pull over in the drive through at McDonald's. You're right. Pastor won't, but be authentic. Share with people that you have had bad days as well. That uh, when we became Christ followers, not everything turned rosy for us. We still have bad days. We still have loved ones that get sick and die. Not everything is, we don't have to fake it. Uh, people want authenticity. Number three, encourage others. So she says, come see a man. Hey, why don't you come to church for my, my baby's dedication? 
Why don't you come to church on Easter Sunday? Why don't you come to our welcome party? Why don't you come and and just hear the good news? Man, we've got the best worship team in in the world. Come and engage. We have free donuts and coffee. Our pastor ain't so bad either. Let's just laugh laugh with us as we laugh at him. (laughs) There's no better gift inside the body of Christ than encouragement. Just being able to build each other up, Paul says, in the unity of the faith. So whether you could sing or can't sing like me, whether you can preach or can't preach, whether you can't even watch a baby or change a diaper, you can encourage somebody. You look nice today. Thanks for coming out. Man, we appreciate you and all that you do. Thank you for serving. Thanks for opening the door. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, serve team. Thank you, media team. Thank you for coming out. It was now probably two years ago we asked for people to sit on the front row. Those that have come here and sit on the front row, they took it as a mission from God to do so. You know what that does? That encourages the worship team. That encourages me when I preach. Encourage one another. And last but not least, know the word of God. David said, his word have I hid in my heart that I will not sin against thee. We handed out some candles. The worship team's going to come back. I want to give you just a really quick idea of what the candle means. And in Luke, the candle, um, Jesus talks about not waxing cold. The wax is something, uh, obviously, that puts the candle together, that burns, okay? The wick burns, the, the wax melts. But the wax allows us to grow. It allows us to become and to advance. That's what, that's what the wax in scriptures is. So we're not melting away. We're growing. We're advancing the kingdom of God. We've talked about uh, here at Grace Church belonging and becoming even before believing. And that's important. A lot of churches would not allow that to happen. But I think if we're going to take people just the way they are, it took my friend Gary 27 years to come around. That's a long time. But that's a short time compared to eternity. The wick is what we are in Christ. We're the wicks. The Holy Spirit is the wax or the candle that then burns ahead of time. And if we understand that we're we're not doing the burning, the Holy Spirit is burning through us, then it's a good gauge. It's an opportunity for us to, to be the light that shines into a dark world. So in a moment, in fact, why don't you stand with me where you're at? moment, Marcus and I will light candles and we'll come through and light some of yours and then you turn and light the neighbor's candles to you, in front of you, behind you, all around you. Because that signifies what we're doing throughout the week. That the love that we have in Christ is so easily shared with those people around us. Let me pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word today. Thank you, Lord, for that wonderful uh, testimony of the woman at the well and how she literally changed the whole culture and how things become new when we set other things aside. The blessings that we have in life become a new normal to the things we're ready to do. Those that still may be thinking in their heart, I'm, I'm full of shame or I'm, I'm, I'm not able to, or just give them the, the boldness to be authentic to the ones that they love. Lord, help us to pick out one or two people this year that we can just pray for, we can lean on, we can love, we can share the good news of Jesus Christ. Lay those people on our heart as we get ready to light these candles. Help us to pray for them. 
witness to them. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's no borders in your love, no division in your heart, oh God of heaven, God of freedom, there's no taking back. 
song reminds me of Isaiah. It says, the spirit of the Lord is on me to preach good news to the poor, to open the blinded eyes, you know, to set the captive free. Jesus fulfilled that prophecy. He came to the poor and he preached the good news and he uh, opened the blind eyes and he set the captive free. And now he's given us that same authority to go and do the same thing. Uh, just this past week, I had the opportunity to speak at my daughter's and son's school um, about a week ago. And I, they sang. I didn't know. I was going to teach them about how to share the good news of Jesus because that's what I do. I like to help people share the good news. And they sang, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And that's what this reminds me of. You know, we live in a dark world. You don't have to look far to see people who are far from God. You don't have to look hard to see people who are hard to reach. But we have the light of Jesus. We have the light that the darkness cannot compete with. Amen? So when we walk out of here, when we uh, extinguish the flame on our candle, this is physical. I want, I want it to be a representation of what's happening inside of you spiritually. That the light of Jesus just will fill you. 
in the Bible, we see that fire is like a sign of the Holy Spirit. Even in Acts chapter 2, when people were filled with the boldness, they physically saw fire come upon each person. Now that's symbolic for us today. We can say that, that boldness to shine the light comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. So as I pray for you and we close and we blow out the candle, I want you to receive the power, the fire of the Holy Spirit to come inside of each one of you to say, you know what? I don't have to have obstacles preventing me from sharing the gospel anymore, but instead I have the power of the Holy Spirit. I have the light of Jesus Christ. Amen. Can we hold up our candles nice and high? And we're just going to pray for each one of you here today to receive that fire of God and the light of Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you for every person here today holding their candle high. Lord, I pray that just like the song says, we're going to let it shine. Father, we're not going to hide it. We're not going to let Satan blow it out. But we're going to let the light of Jesus Christ shine, empowered by the Holy Spirit and the fire of God, that each one of us here today, Father, we'd walk out of here. Lord, as we blow out the candle, Lord, that it would ignite a fire inside of our hearts. God, that would not be easily quenched, but Lord, but that it would grow and it would be rekindled daily because of your word and prayer and communion with God and others. I pray that you'd fill us with this fire now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless you. We love you. Have a wonderful week, and we'll see you next Sunday.